the green new the green dream or whatever whatever mm -hmm. it is. And then yeah. she said something about how like people don't know what what's in it, but they support it. No, I'm pretty sure people know what's in it. I think people are pretty fired up about the situation they're living in right now. What is really going on, Internet? How are you? Welcome to the Bituation Room Podcast Live. I'm your host, Francesca Fiorentini. As always, I'm still here. Maybe I've left this room. Maybe not. You don't, you can't prove I haven't. Maybe I'm wearing pants. Maybe I've burned them all, thrown them into the gender reveal fires of California. And uh, we don't need jeans. We don't need them. Um, it's so good to have you all here uh, on Facebook and on YouTube and on Twitch. What's up? There's like two people on Twitch. They mostly talk to themselves. Um, all, all of the people listening in the future, thank you so much for downloading this podcast. Hey, give it five stars. Rate it, all right? We have such a good show today. We have Anna Kasparian from The Young Turks, writer and comedian Solomon Giorgio is joining us. We are talking about climate change, Green New Deal, what the fuck Democrats are not doing to bring both of those things uh, about, not climate change, the opposite of climate change. Um, we're talking about anti-anxiety tips. I'm serious. We've got a new segment and I just wanted to just be real for a moment and be like, how the fuck do you all calm down? How are you calming down? I know some of you are calming down by listening to this show and watching the show. I know others of you are watching the bulls play the Rams I think that's the right sport. I don't know. The NFL is back and they've got a live show tonight. And I brought Anna Kasparian on. So fuck you, okay? Um, we don't need the NFL. Do we? Do we? I say no. My vote is no. Um, um, I know. Is it because I don't understand the point system? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Ulysses from Bakersfield is here. It's probably also on fire. Um Zayla's 13 says smoke lots of weed. Obviously, Ryan says tequila. Been there, done that. Um, um, we are a free show. It's a free podcast, like all podcasts are mostly anyway. But it takes a lot to produce this show. Yes, I've been inside working on it, cooking it up for you guys. And yes, we accept tips. So if you could find it the goodness, the goodness in your hearts to give us a little tip. Venmo, TBR-Live, TBR-Live on Cash App if you're boycotting Peter Thiel and probably his investments in Venmo still. Uh, donate there. Uh, we are donating a portion of all of your tips like we do every single week to a different organization. This week we're going back. We're going to do Movement Voter Project again because we... Uh, love them and support them. And like I said, we got to get out this anti-fascist vote for a very uninspiring candidate. But that's that's the hell world we live in. Movement Voter Project is helping organizations in swing states like Florida, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Arizona do that. Um, they work with communities of color and youth-based organizations in those key states. Tip us. We will give money to them and also just keep it because we got to pay for th this anyway. Before I uh, continue to just talk to myself into the ether and all of you wonderful people here, I'm going to bring on our guests because I don't want to do this alone. I, we cannot do this alone, people. Um, 
He is a comedian and a writer. He's been featured on Conan, Last Call with Carson Daly, This Is Not Happening, Viceland's Flophouse, Two Dope Queens. He's written for Shrill, High Fidelity, HBO's Crashing, Adam Ruins Everything, and SpongeBob SquarePants. Please welcome Solomon Giorgio. Hi. Welcome. It's good to see you. It's good to see you as well. Um, what episode of SpongeBob did you write on? I wrote an episode called uh, Sharks versus Pods, where SpongeBob joins a gang of greaser sharks, and he thinks they're a bad boy gang. It turns out they're actually dancers. <laughs> <laughs> and does he sort of like come face to face with like yes. it's okay, it's manly to dance as well? Yes, yes. it's Slash a very the construct. Very a West Side uh, story ending with no love interest, pretty much. <laughs> That's good. That's progressive. Mm -hmm. The best I can do. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. I got to watch that. I got to get high, get the weed, and then watch SpongeBob. <laughs> um, and of course, she is the executive producer and host of The Young Turks and Weekends on Jacobin. It's Anna Kasparian. Hey, guys. Hello. What's up? Hi. Hey. Um, Solomon. Do you know that your name is pretty badass? Like, <laughs> yes. like I'm kind of like, yeah, Giorgio <laughs> is your last name. That's is that real? Is that your real last name, or is that well, like? Look, um, an Ethiopian got a European last name through a very fancy thing called uh, war uh, <laughs> and invasion. <laughs> From my people, right? Uh, Italianos, yes. See, <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I don't know how to say that in Italian. I forget. Well, I no, uh, mi dispiace. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but I it's yeah, it's uh, it is very much my real last name. Uh, and I have had to live up to it my whole life. Uh, so it's, it's kind of cool. <laughs> uh, the you last time Solomon and I, we, uh, I was on a show with Solomon in New York and he wore straight up the, um, the, the, what was it? What was the, oh, what was the princess oh. that you were wearing? Oh, what was it, the, was it the sheer black, uh, yes. top with yeah. a giant, uh, frill mm -hmm. skirt and, I think I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, but it was like the Swan Lake evil yes. black swan. It was very much a black swan outfit. outfit. Yeah. And just did his set in that outfit. So <laughs> if Solomon is living up to his name, yeah, yes. That the short answer is absolutely yes. I was going to introduce you as like the, the person with the second most interesting name. Uh, because, you know, Francesca Fiorentini, no big deal. Also really long. <laughs> Pretty good name. My dad's, my dad's name is Giorgio, actually. That's a. Uh, Are you serious? His name is Giorgio Fiorentini. Oh my Giorgio god, Fiorentini. that is an awesome name. I love like it's that's a power name. Your dad's got a power name. You just add an O to your name, Anna, and you just <laughs> Caspariano. Anna, you, you got to change I'm it. Anna Caspario. <laughs> I don't know. Sounds super sexy. The <laughs> last name is phenomenal. Is, um, my dad growing up would call me Ano. Like that's like a cute little nickname for <laughs> girls named Anahit, which is my actual real full first name. Yeah. But no one could pronounce it right, so I just shortened it to Anna. Um, oh, Anahit's really pretty. Ano does mean butthole in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that? I don't right? go with that. That's why when you say <laughs> Feliz Ano, make sure you do the mm. ñe because Feliz mm -hmm. Ano would be happy butthole and. You know, there's nothing that. wrong with that. There's nothing there's, wrong with that. We all, have, everyone wants a happy butthole. I have, I've, I'm very proud. I'm Felice, I know to all of us, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, not that we need it, but this is, this is the moment of the show where we just break a little ice, get to know each other through 
what we are complaining about, which is I always feel like is the best way to get to know somebody. Um, so this segment, uh, we do every single episode and everyone listening and watching, please do the same. This is called, what are you bitching about now? Who would like to go first? Uh, Solomon, would you, what are you, what are you bitching about? Um, this I didn't is give something... you a choice, clearly. <laughs> I, I do have something. Uh, and this is something that I have uh, been very guilty of uh, myself uh, online for a while. Uh, and that is quote tweets. I, I have now, I'm now done with them. I think we've, we've reached the point of making too many shitty conservatives famous that we now have to stop quote tweeting. Screen grab, make fun of them that way, but they do not deserve the acknowledgement of, <laughs> of our dunk on them anymore. Cause it doesn't look, Candace crispy edges Owens doesn't deserve <laughs> to get that much attention from us um, and it is going to keep happening gun girl is getting famous because of us we like it's gotten to the point where we've made entire careers uh for certain conservatives based on our fury so i think it's it's now i've gotten to the place where if i'm mad at somebody that's saying stu something stupid screen grab have them not being associated with that dunk and if somebody snitch tags on me i i know to block them as well <laughs> snitch tag oh my god snitch tag is the best uh verb i've heard mm -hmm. in a very long time um i for the longest time had subtweeting and quote tweeting confused i was like oh when you subtweet someone is when you quote tweet them but no mm -hmm. subtweeting is basically like snitch tagging or mm -hmm. sort or like you it's know, not subtweeting yeah subtweeting i'm always pro of subtweeting is when somebody else writes a tweet and you sort of have a tweet reaction to it without really saying or associating it with them, but they can right. definitely, mm -hmm. if they read it, they know that's them you're talking about. Right, right, right. You're sort of like, you're not like gonna... the passive aggressive stuff. Mm -hmm. Like a certain yeah. someone in green and white stripes once said, you know, like that kind of like, yeah. oh, I think we all know who you're talking about. Yeah. But I also feel like you could, you should subtweet till the earth is gone. I think that is perfectly fine. Subtweet, because that's, that's you venting. And I understand that. Uh, but quoting is just, yeah, we, we can't, don't live in somebody else's mentions and don't, don't, don't thrive on dunking on other people because it does end up giving them more attention than they deserve. I, I, I like think that. that's really real. I, I think that, so you can tell which conservatives are just like wanting to be the next Tommy Laren, which Tommy mm -hmm. Laren's entire brand is just like, if you're having a reaction to what I'm saying, that means I'm winning. You're like, oh my God, I can't yeah. win. You know, like, this is terrible. You've just boxed like that. That's not, that's nothing that says you, you don't have an analysis. You're not smart. You're not making a real point, but you're creating a reaction. Ergo, exactly. you know, and you're a conservative. So, yeah. Hey, um, no, I, I'm there with you. I'm there. I'm absolutely. Screenshot. Screenshot. Anna, what are you bitching about? God, there's there's a lot. Um, I'm going to go with something unexpected, though. <clears throat> so for at least two weekends, not in a row, um, the very few Trump supporters that exist in California have decided to do like this pro-Trump caravan. They do it on Sundays. And they just get in their giant SUVs, have these giant pro-Trump flags, yeah. and then they make jackasses out of themselves. Like they go up and down um, Ventura Boulevard in the San Fernando Valley, for instance. And they do it with the intention of like owning the libs or, 
basically getting under people's skin. Like they're trying really hard to be provocative. And I know that like the fury should be toward them, but I don't, I don't care because we're like in California. So they're a minority. Honestly, their vote for Trump doesn't matter. They know they're the minority. And so like they never get under my skin. What does get under my skin is when people take the bait. And so today we had the misfortune. We were we were going to um, visit my niece because it's her birthday. And we had the misfortune of experiencing this like caravan drive by. Um, and then the anti-Trump people, which of course there are plenty in, in California and definitely in Los Angeles, you know, they like start losing it and they start like throwing up their middle fingers and getting so angry. And I get the urge to do it. Like I despise Trump, but mm-hmm. like, I just wish people were smart and I wish they would understand that they want that reaction from you. The only thing that would really work in our favor is to literally laugh at them or just ignore them. So if you're not laughing at them, if you're not ignoring them and you're like showing how upset you are just by them driving by, then they actually did own you. And it's like pathetic. Just right. If they got it, it's the same. It's kind of the same problem that Solomon's talking about. Just like if someone is getting under your skin and then you sort of name it and you sort of further inflate them and you gas them. And it's like, I I was, it was so funny six, six years ago, you know, 20 years ago when Trump was running for president. um, No, the the California uh, Republican convention, I was inside and a bunch of protesters were outside. I was doing interviews about like Republican women and trying to understand their warped little brains. And um, sorry. And uh, like there was a protest outside and the people, the Republicans inside were fucking mesmerized. They like oh, love sure. that they're being protested. Like they love so it. it. It's like the coolest thing. It's such a badge of honor. If they get flipped off by someone mm. who's anti-Trump or they get protested, they're like, Ooh, you know? And so it's, you're totally right. Just like laughing at them. Like the dude in the green shirt. Remember that one guy who was just like laughing at MAGA. Yeah. Dudes, like, yeah, yeah, that guy is like, Mwah, that meme so and moment. Good. Just have to remember his energy, laugh at them, don't get angry. Um, yeah, and look, some people will respond uh, with, oh, yeah, so easy for you to say, allowing fascism in the country. And it's like, first of all, relax. You flipping off a bunch of Trump supporters driving by in like their ridiculously large SUVs isn't fighting fascism, right? Um, If you really want to fight fascism, then how about you organize? How about you think about uh, ways to mitigate some of the damage that's being done by Trump's policies, executive orders, all of that? Yeah. Um, But everything, like we're so used to like, like pleasuring ourselves with like self-righteous BS that doesn't actually accomplish anything. Like right. let's start thinking a little more methodically about how we're going to accomplish what we want in this country rather than taking the bait from provocative Trump supporters who want nothing more than to see you upset, you know? Right. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Right. This They've is- failed. If they, if no one flipped them off, they're like, Oh man, I totally totally so one yeah. I 100% I get the feeling too. Cause like, yeah, I've definitely, when I'm at home, I'm like, I, I think nothing but wanting to beat them up. But when I'm out in public, <laughs> like, it's like, I'm above you. I'm better than you. And you'll never get to me. That's the way that's the way. And then I just come home and punch a wall into that. <laughs> <laughs> I need one of those walls. I need a good punching wall. I have no punching walls. I don't have the arm strength. That is a total lie. I just get on my Peloton and I scream. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it. That's that's totally one of the settings, just like apocalyptic <laughs> scream, you know? Um, just move through that. Uh, Trump supporters on either side. You're biking through. Okay, we get it. <laughs> Uh, let's see. What am I bitching? I'm bitching about something super just light, actually. And I'm, I'm usually say that and then it's serious, but it's not. Uh, I watched Mulan, the live action version of the Disney classic, and it sucked. It was bad. And that's what I'm oh. bitching about. I don't mm. understand why we're remaking all of these Disney classics that were good. They were good to begin with. And then you've got like, you know weird looking lions with Beyonce's voice. And we don't necessarily need, I mean, I always need Beyonce, but like, you know, I don't need that level. And then Mulan, Mulan. Okay. So I love the story of Mulan. Mulan Disney is like one of my favorite movies. I watched over and over again. I cry. It's, it's dope. It's just, it's great. The movie's pretty, like it looks good. It's just so bland like Solomon the writing <laughs> you know it's like you know and Eddie Murphy's not there like at some point you're like how is this movie making me miss Eddie yeah. Murphy as like the little fiend the little dragon you know like First I just all, needed him to come in at the end and be like woohoo you know whatever <laughs> Eddie Murphy was necessary we never thought of him as necessary but he was always necessary <laughs> so necessary like in this especially it's just it's I don't know how you make it so bland it was it was Yes, I got a little emotional, but I will say, if you're thinking about watching it, just watch the trailer. You'll feel all the feels. You'll cry. I cried at the trailer of the live-action Mulan. And then watch the cartoon. We'll just go watch the cartoon again because it's way better. And there's and Eddie Murphy's there, and there's a little cricket, and it's got eyes, and it's cute. But, like, yeah, it wasn't funny. Like, I think this whole thing is, like, you like – Disney's actually good. Disney's good because, you know, reinforcing – complete uh heteronormativity princess worship you know uh uh dysmorphia but like it's funny and like there's good there's jokes there's comedic relief there's realness so like it's crazy that like a live action version of a disney classic could feel less real than the cartoon you know anyway yeah. i'm uh no, you're right. I think I, mean, I agree their live actions are not as magical and there was something magical about the, about the cartoons and if you can't convey that in a live action movie and Disney has a lot of problems, but at least it was a magical moment. Uh, yeah. When you watch exactly. it as a cartoon. I need some magic. Instead yeah. there's like a Phoenix that looks like a kite. I was like, why is that kite up there? You did a shitty job with that. Anyway. Um, a couple of people bitching in the comments, Dan Illick, uh, longtime friend and comic bitching about the USPS cuts. He says, mail-in voting is one thing, but if I get my Dollar Shave Club a week late, I'll be furious. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, amazing. let it grow. Just let it grow. Um, let it grow. Let, let it grow. It grow. Can you imagine? <laughs> yes. If they redid, imagine if they redid uh, Frozen, but like, fuck Olaf. Ol I don't like Olaf, but, but like... <laughs> No one has personality. Like the younger sister, yeah. I forgot her name. Like she's just kind of boring, you know? It's, it's Anna. <laughs> Anna, right? That's the younger sister. Anna, Anna and... Depending on how you're feeling. Anna, yeah. They should redo it with her being named Anna. 
So Alyssa Marie Burdick says, boo to that with no Mushu. Agreed. His name was Mushu. Little racist. As a Chinese woman, I'm like, okay. <laughs> my ears are pricking up. I didn't. He didn't need to be named Mushu. She's like, oh, yeah, there's Egg Roll. There's my sidekick, Egg Roll. Like, calm down. Yes. <laughs> but, like, but he was still good. Eddie Murphy was good. Uh, all right. Moving on. We... Uh, pick a few stories to talk about every single week. Uh, this week was particularly hellish. That's really hard to believe it, but honestly, this week really outdid itself. Uh, in all of those terms, the entire West Coast is on fire, and we're going to talk more about that. Um, but let's just do a little bit of a rundown with some levity. This is the week where... This was the week where... If you weren't paying attention, let me tell you. Award-winning journalist Bob Woodward revealed tapes of conversations he had with President Trump for an upcoming book in which Trump, back in early February, tells Woodward that the coronavirus was far worse than the flu and that he was deliberately downplaying it to prevent a panic. And that makes sense, honestly. Like, come on. Let him off the hook, dude. Like, you guys know when a plane is going through, like, a rough patch of air and the pilot doesn't want to, like, scare people so they get on the PA and are like... The fake lying deep state meteorologists say that this is a lightning storm, but we're not changing altitudes because it's going to disappear. Also, kids can't die in plane crashes. Like, you know how that immediately makes you feel better? Um, a senior administration <laughs> official shrugged the Woodward book off and said, this is a quote, everyone has a book. That may be true. Everyone does have a book, except in this case, there's about 15 books. Um, Trump is, at this point, the golden goose of book deals. Uh, like, are we sure he's not getting a cut of all these book deals? Because honestly, apparently his <laughs> campaign is is broke, has no more money. Uh, so I think it would be a perfect business model. I mean, I what blows my mind about that whole story is that he had 18 separate conversations with Woodward before he finished writing the book. And then the 19th conversation was to check in to see what was in the book. And, and Trump <laughs> like allowed him to record that audio. Trump called him on the phone unexpectedly dozens of times, like not dozens of times, but several times in that 18 times they had the conversations, right? So like, I think Trump genuinely thought that Bob Woodward was going to write like some glowing biography about him. And like, he hits him up for that 19th call and is asking like, so what's going to be in the book? And Woodward <laughs> apparently said something along the lines of, well, it's a pretty tough book. And so I look, I'm, I know who Trump is. Trump is an awful person. Okay. There, there are no redeeming qualities whatsoever. None, zero. Right. So I don't want anyone to mistake what I'm about to say as trying to support Trump in any way. He's awful. But at some point during this pandemic, it became abundantly clear that he was lying to the American people. And so I just never took anything he said seriously and only paid attention to Fauci. Didn't even pay attention to uh, Dr. Burks because I don't even trust her, yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. And yeah. so it Not became this stars, situation. The stars were a distraction mostly. <laughs> I, I think this. this I think it's all just like this getup to make us think that she's like some innocent, sweet, like homey woman. But no, she's she toes the line with Trump, and I think it's gross. But 
I think Fauci's really good at like striking this balance of like avoiding getting on Trump's bad side um, while also conveying the information we need to know. But the problem that I have with this story is liberals get super snippy with you when you critique Woodward's decision to hold on to that audio until he was ready to promote his book. And the reason why I think that's problematic is because liberals think, no, 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 this is great. This is great. Release the audio closer to the election. No, but not everything is about the election. Okay. How about in February when Trump, February 7th, Trump had this detailed conversation where he acknowledged how serious and severe this virus is. Yeah. I didn't know how severe it was in February, late February. I'm on a family cruise. Okay. I'm traveling. I don't know. So if Woodward released that audio earlier, I think that so many reasonable, rational people would have changed their own behaviors and kept themselves and their family members safe. And so I'm pissed. I'm pissed at what Woodward did. Right. And you can't make any people than more people than more people than the people who are going to buy his book. You know, can you imagine just buying the book? Oh, hey, that coronavirus thing is real and it's important. We should, we should February, Jesus Christ, you know, like, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Solomon, what do you make of this? Well, he had access to the genetry. He had access to information in regards to how serious it was and how the president was downplaying it. And I think at the time, especially in living in liberal states, our own governments are also not treating it as serious as they should have as well. Like we, we, we were locked down a lot later, especially in New York state. So that information would have been super vital, especially for those leaders there to be like, Hey, this is definitely being downplayed by our president and we should definitely take action a lot sooner than we probably a couple weeks sooner than we would have at the time. And that in itself, like it's, that's, that's worth it to me. And honestly, like people, yeah, I've seen people get like, this is very important to the election. I'm like, first of all, like when people like associate our problems down to the election or just down to 2020, I'm like, honey, no matter what happens, do not put your resolutions to be associated with this year being resolved. Yeah, <laughs> like, 2020 didn't do anything. Yeah. 20, so, 2020 is gone. That, 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 the next year has already been getting ready to be worse. It's, uh, <laughs> it's an understudy. It's rehearsing. It's ready to bomb the show just as hard. <laughs> I know. Absolutely. All right. I'm going to move on to our next story. This was the week where a Department of Homeland Security official, Brian Murphy, blew the whistle on acting DHS secretary and future Kirkland brand underwear model, Chad Wolf, saying that the secretary (laughs) asked him to downplay their good underwear. The the secretary asked him to downplay reports of Russian interference in the election and the threat of white supremacist extremists, quote, in a manner that made the threat appear less severe and to claim the terrorists were coming in through the southern border. Honestly, like, what is next? What did they, are they going to, like, start planting Korans on violent (laughs) extremists? You know, the same way, like, police plant crack on black people. uh, And then are just like, oh, wow, another white armed camel clad with don't tread on me sticker convert to Islam. Yep. ISIS (laughs) strikes again. Definitely ISIS. Um, it's, It's, like, very incredible and upsetting. But honestly, I feel like the only solution is abolish DHS. That's it. Like, look, it's 19 years old. It needs to grow up, get a real job and stop, you know, doing FBI cosplay. Mm-hmm. Well, end of the day, as I, as an immigrant and as somebody who became a citizen recently, uh, I know, 
like, well, I'm not happy about it. I feel like a psychic <laughs> that got on the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I think the book of my... <laughs> uh, but Department of Homeland Security has definitely not changed any, better, any situation in regards to terrorism or immigration. And yeah, as a very new uh, system, it's not lived up to its name at any point in time. Uh, if you had your 20 years to get your shit together and you didn't manage to do it, then you don't deserve to exist anymore. Uh, and it's like, it's always surprising throughout every presidency. It always was, it was like a confederacy of dunces every single time. It was just, yep. <laughs> it was never ever in a situation where it was good, no matter who was in charge, Democrat or Republican. Yeah. Such a good point. You know, the bipartisan effort to bungle uh, national security is, is an important point to make. And it kind of leads into what I wanted to say, which is there was actually a little bit of potential for DHS back in 2009. Um, under the Obama administration, there was a small group of DHS officials who were like tasked with specifically focusing on right wing extremism in the United States. Mm -hmm. As we can see, that has grown into a huge problem. We have armed militias just shooting protesters up and then people are making excuses for them. And it's kind of terrifying. Like we're a country swimming with guns. Yeah. The thing that frustrates me is that in 09, when conservatives caught news uh, of this little DHS group, they started having their typical temper tantrum because they actually love extremism in the country as long as it's extremism on their side. And they started pressuring Obama to disband that group of DHS officials who were investigating and trying to do something about right wing extremism. I bring that up because I just want an opposition party yeah. that gives like throws up double middle fingers every time conservatives have their little temper tantrums. Yeah. Like I want a true opposition party. Like yeah. I want people who are going to fight as aggressively or more aggressively uh, than the Republicans do. Yeah, absolutely. More than anything. Yeah, I feel like it's nothing. No one is really calling down DHS the way they should be and asking for its full elimination because it does need to be gone. There was a system bef before there that worked pretty goddamn great. And the fact that we don't believe that and that we like this idea of virtual security or and like security theater pretty much is what it is. Mm -hmm. And all it does is harass innocent tax paying immigrants. Uh, and that is like, is that what you want the country to be known as? Yeah. My favorite story of this year or last year was when ICE was like, no, we should be uh, disbanded. Please, mm -hmm. please <laughs> uh, stop ICE. Like, you know, like, because they were like, look, we can't really do our jobs. Like, we are demonized, rightfully so. Uh, they didn't say rightfully so, but they were basically like, we aren't able to actually pursue real criminals, not just anyone who crosses the border or anyone who, you know, like, you know, everyday people, mothers with children. So they were like, this was when Chris Kirsten, whatever the fuck her name was, Nielsen, um, the audacity to eat at a Mexican restaurant, Nielsen was like in charge. Uh, she wasn't Nazi enough, clearly. And that's why she resigned. But like back then they were like, we, like ICE, which is under DHS, like we're mm -hmm. not able to even do our jobs correctly. <sighs> Moving on. Yeah. It's a lighter note, maybe a little lighter. This is the week where we return to some just good old culture war discussion as right-wingers and somehow fittingly Tulsi Gabbard started a cancel Netflix campaign over what they say is child pornography in the film Cuties. The film, um, which is 
features like for 11 year olds um, is in fact a commentary on the hypersexualization of young girls, a commentary on it. Uh, but nevertheless, one critic was so incensed, he painstakingly counted the number of times there was the shot of an 11 year old's crotch in a leotard. He took that all down because nothing says, and nothing shows your dedication to stopping child pornography than doing the hard work of a child pornographer. Yeah. That's just, he, that guy should be investigated. Like there's something <laughs> yeah. wrong with that guy. No, these people, like, first of all, if you really want to be upset, they should probably just watch one episode involving a child case of SVU. Those are, there's plenty of examples in our, on our, in our landscape of things that they think they're upset about. And yeah, it's, they choose, I feel like everyone who tries to find pedophilia within things that really don't have it are trying to cover up the pedophile tracks that they're behind them. Cause I yeah. just, I don't really, I like, <laughs> The more I talk about pedophilia, the less suspicious it is. No, it's not. Mm -hmm. It's more. It's more suspicious, buddy. Yeah, like yeah. The, the, yeah. The, if you don't, if you're not involved in it, you tend not to think about it as much or look for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like I've been, I, I had been avoiding that story um, until I was going to come on your show, and I was like, I better read up on this and like mm -hmm. form an opinion based on facts uh, rather than what people are saying on Twitter. Unnecessary. And, um, <laughs> Uh -huh. This is actually incredibly dangerous, right? Because it's that movie is intentionally being misinterpreted uh, to empower a, an ever-growing group of insane conspiracy theorists who think that there are like child sex trafficking rings that are running out of pizza shops. And yeah. that leads mentally ill people to show up with guns and mm -hmm. possibly shoot innocent people up. Like, QAnon is not some fringe thing anymore. It is actually pretty indicative of the Republican mm -hmm. electorate. And anyone on the left, anyone who identifies as like not a fan of the Trump administration, don't take that bait and actually do a little bit of reading and yeah. research before you immediately like hop on this bandwagon of like self-righteousness and BS. Because yeah. you're right, Fran Francesca, it, it is a commentary um, you know, drawing attention to the hypersexualization of young girls. That context matters. Sure. And it's intentionally being left out of the conversation by, in my opinion, dishonest actors mm -hmm. who are, you know, giving a wink and nod to some of the most dangerous people in society. Yeah. This, yeah. this, this is uh, this is all part of Wayfair's conspiracy to sell mm -hmm. children inside their armoires. Like, yeah. what? Yeah. It, you know, listen, I haven't seen the movie and I don't know, you know, this is a whole other conversation. Did it successfully you know, uh, problematize the hypersexualization of young girls. I don't know. You know, I've read the reviews that say it cuts away that like during this scene where these girls are like being like, you know, dancing, whatever, all the people in the audience in the movie are like, oh God, and they're closing their eyes and they're like covering their children's faces. It's like, that seems pretty clear what the director and writer are yeah. trying to do there. Um, but, but hey, can I, also, can I also just add one more thing? Like nothing, nothing makes sense right now. Nothing, nothing. Sadly. Because these conspiracy theorists and conservatives overall are like, oh, this movie, 
if pedophilia, will, will someone just think of the children, the children, right? Okay. Yeah. I, I would love to think about the children. How about the children that your dear leader locked mm -hmm. up in cages at the border, yeah. uh, nearly a dozen of which died because of the disgusting conditions they were caged and locked up in. Mm -hmm. Do you really care about children or do you just want to like play these ridiculous conspiratorial games with yourself and with society? Like yeah. nothing makes sense. Nothing. No, no. It's anyway. It's for them. Yeah. It's them to find something that they, they have a reason to hate the left in as many ways as possible. Because the pure fact right. of the matter is that there are real cases of people that were assaulted, that were involved in human trafficking rings, that are going to court and are trying to talk about it. Yes. And none of them are generally being listened to in any media format, regardless of what. Uh, so it's like there is a genuine cover up of uh, these terrible uh, pedophile rings but they're not by the people that are getting blamed in these headlines by well, these terrible human actors. Yeah. The, the projection is real strong considering mm -hmm. uh, Donald Trump was on Jeffrey Epstein's flight log yeah. and has been accused by a 17 year old of rape who now is like, you know, has decided to not come forward with it. You know, that whole story sort yeah. of goes back and forth as was Clinton, et cetera. But like, it is just so funny that like the most obvious conspiracies around child sex trafficking. It's like, look at the fucking Vatican, bro. You want to talk about mm -hmm. like a big old No, no, no. We don't want to talk about that. That's the obvious one. You know, that's yeah, the we don't want to talk about the ones one. that have victims that have said something that have gone to trial. We don't want to deal with those at all. No, no, that's not really our issue. Our issue is like the patterns that are there that you can't see, but only I can see. And Q sees, and I'm going to put signs up above the freeway, which I talked to Nithya Raman about. Oh my she God. We'll do something about the signs above the freeway if she's elected. Oh, good. <laughs> is this, is this, this is something I wonder about a lot. Is this like a uniquely American thing, or are people this insane in other countries? Um, here's the thing is, I actually did study a lot of conspiracy theories a little, not too long ago, and it is sort of, People just don't like the concept of being wrong. And it happens a lot before fascism kicks in. And it's sort of literally, it's every time a country goes into fascism, there is this giant push of conspiracy theory. And especially involves uh, religion and pedophilia too. Like mm -hmm. they just like mm -hmm. to paint the opposition as pedophiles and it makes it so much easier uh, to take them down. And it's uh, like, it's happened, it's happened in the eighties too in this country, there was satanic panic where literally people believe there were uh, Satanists in uh, daycares and that were raping children. So they arrested and charged several people. <laughs> like, I think there's like 30 plus people that were falsely accused uh, because of uh, the religious right at the time. Oh, I want to go back to that. I want to go back to the time when like the religious right was mad about Harry Potter for like dabbling in yeah. sorcery and black magic and all that shit. Like those were good times. times. Totally. Yeah. All right. Two more stories. This was the week where the Kardashian family, speaking of borderline child pornography, JK <laughs> <laughs> announced the end of an era, an end to their 14-season run of the show, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, and the beginning of a new era, Keeping Up with each of the Kardashians separately through their own spin-off show, Tummy Tea, Lip Gloss, and Line of Girdles. Uh, still, whatever you think of them, honestly, let's be real, the Kardashians did leave a mark on us all, mostly in the form of surgery scars and raging body dysmorphia. Yeah. To be fair, I showed up with my own body dysmorphia. <laughs> You're like, I had it before the show, okay? I, I, I developed it on my own. It just became stronger. And then, uh... 
I oh. have not seen a single episode. Car Keeping up with the Kardashians became really big when I left the country, when I lived in Argentina for five years and I came back and I was like, what is a Kimye? Like I didn't get any of it. <laughs> I came Looks back and everyone girl. was, I know I was so lucky, but I have, still haven't seen a single episode, but I, the, what I've seen, I'm like, I get it. I get it. You want to be a rich airhead and like, that's alluring. And they are sort of, it's a comedy. They don't take themselves seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anna, do you have a uh, <laughs> Kardashian moments? No, you know, it's funny. Like, okay, I, I don't want anyone to think that I'm like holier than thou. I love a good trashy reality show to kind of like turn my brain off a little bit and not overthink like the fact that the world's falling apart. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, but I, I never really got into keeping up with the Kardashians. I love a good housewives season. You know, like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm finishing up um, the latest season of Housewives of New York. And it's like the trashiest, fakest, lamest thing you could possibly watch. But there's something comforting about that. There's something comforting about watching a train wreck that distracts you from, well, basically what I have to do for work all day, which is read and research <laughs> some pretty devastating and depressing stories, you know? You're like, if like, only my world were this small, like if only <laughs> I yeah, had yeah. such, is, is the housewives the one where like the meme comes from with the woman who's like, oh, there you, like that. And then there's a little cat. Yes. Yes. So, yes. For the longest time, I thought the cat was in that scene and that we <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fucking cat in like, was like, Meh. like why? <laughs> <laughs> my favorite so my favorite is um the real housewives of miami like in the opening like they have each woman like walk up to the camera and say stupid things right so one of my favorites is um from the housewives of miami there's a woman i don't even remember what her name is i think it's alexia okay. and she's cuban so she's like this Cuban doll is back on the scene and living the dream. And I'm just like, wait, like, but no one knows who you are. What do you mean back on the scene? Like no one even knew uh, you left. Like, it's just ridiculous, but it's so funny. And I just love watching it. Uh, I love, I love that. I, I personally, I never got into the Kardashians. I don't like, I also, um, like, I definitely like, first of all, I don't think they were the worst of reality TV. Cause I remember mm -hmm. early 2000s reality TV, like the Swan, like that's, like there yeah. was a swan was so good, <laughs> but I was like, that's like genuinely like we've, we had such monstrous uh, reality shows before the Kardashians even so existed. Monstrous. Uh, so like the I biggest like, loser. Oh yeah. Like I oh. hated that too. Let's and humiliate was, people and make them show up without a shirt on. Like oh, I just yeah. hated that. Yeah. And that mm. left them like, if you're talking about body dysmorphia for a whole country, that definitely <laughs> set a standard. Uh, like, and so for me, it was like they were—they're just, they're just a brand, which is fun. And but I think I never got into them because at the same time, RuPaul's Drag Race came on, and I was like, "Sorry, I could. <laughs> I, I got I'm gonna focus on this from now on." I've been going back because that also started when I was abroad, which is not an excuse to not have watched it. But I'm going back and watching like 2005, like early or sick, whenever RuPaul's Drag Race first started. It's so good. Yes. Uh, it's so like it's like small screen and like gr grainy and very different, obviously, but yeah. it's still it's still great. And That's their their fights are so they're so fast, so mean, but yet so worth watching. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> if you're gonna fight, make it fast and mean. Stop like with this like drawn right. out commercial break bullshit. Fast want, and mean. I want somebody to be red. I want them to be red hard. I want them to be red quickly. I <laughs> and I especially love it. I think and issue, just a white cat in there. Just <laughs> I think my issue with Kardashian is that they're all sort of like the same intelligence level across the board. I need at least one person that's smarter than everybody in every possible way just to come in, say something real mean, real quick, and then get out. <laughs> Wasn't that supposed to be Kanye? Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh you feel. All right. Last story. This was the week where the Wisconsin Supreme Court halted the Wisconsin Election Commission's printing of 2.3 million absentee ballots because it didn't include the Green Party on the ticket uh, or on the ballot, which had issued a late challenge to the ballot. Um, now, absentee voting in Wisconsin is up in the air. It's going to be harder as the commission may have to scramble to reprint all of these ballots. The ruling was split on partisan lines four to three with conservative judges ruling in favor of the Green Party, which is, of course, raising a lot of eyebrows. Um, like, look, let me just say, I believe in real alternatives to the two-party system. I can get that out. I really do. I believe in a third party. I believe in a fourth party. I believe in a five through seventh party, whatever, no more than seven. But like, I feel like the green party is a little bit like the unmarked white van mm -hmm. with a guy with an ice cream in it, you know, like of the left, <laughs> they're the unmarked white van of the left. You know, they're like, come on, don't you love ice cream? Don't you love ice cream? Like I love ice cream. I do. Of course Ooh. I love ice cream, but do Girl, I have to do get not check van? your mentions. Don't like I'm serious no. though. I'm like, do I have to like who are you with? Where's this van going? Why was Jill Stein with Michael Flynn in Russia? Just basic questions before I eat your ice cream. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm I'm 100 percent agree. I think there should always be a healthy alternative, but I also believe there shouldn't be a delay in any election. And I believe that a mail-in option should be available in a proper way. So when that's like when that kind of happens, it's like, ah, uh, they can just write it in. <laughs> like, yeah just write it exactly it. it'll be the same amount of people yeah. anyway write it in there was delays on the green party's part i'm not saying fuck the green party forever but i no. do i do feel like you know folks like josh fox have been really smart on this director of gasland etc cetera, etc cetera. you know he's like look i don't feel like the green party campaigns seriously like if you're gonna campaign do it seriously like jill stein mm -hmm. You got like 10 events, six of them are in Massachusetts. That's not mm -hmm. a serious run at the White House. And yet you could potentially are still, you know, obviously spoiler candidate, take votes mm -hmm. away from, yes. you know, Hillary Clinton in that moment. And as Gary Johnson, we all know, did from the libertarian side. Mm -hmm. So like, it's just, like, be strategic about it. Absolutely yeah. run, but run where you can actually mount. Yes. And it might not be on the national level, but where you can mount something. And it might be at the city level, et cetera. Yeah. But it is a little shady. Yeah. Am I wrong, yeah. Anna? It's a, little, it's a little shady, right? Yeah. You know, so I think I overall agree with you guys on this story. Um, but as you're talking about it, I can't help but think about the bigger picture and how and I don't believe in being hyperbolic. Um, I genuinely am concerned that we're inching closer and closer to a dictatorship. Mm -hmm. um, Donald Trump is like planting that seed, uh, doing everything he possibly can to dismantle the post office, uh, convince people that, you know, mail-in voting is rigged, all sorts of things to basically set himself up for 
you know, uh, a Trump administration coup like yeah. uh, in our country. And that's terrifying. It's terrifying when you think about what his intentions are, of course. But it's even more terrifying when you understand just how fragile our democracy is. But more importantly, how we don't have an opposition party, guys. We just don't. You think yeah. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are going to fight to ensure that this election isn't rigged? What have they done since the hearings happened with Louis DeJoy, the new postmaster, the guy who donated millions of dollars to Donald Trump? Oh, we held a hearing. Look at how strong we are. I mean, it's just it's scary. We don't have people yeah. who are willing to do the right thing and fight aggressively to just maintain our democratic process in the very least. For sure. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I want to move on to our main story, the sitch. Let me bring up the graphic. Hang on. People, the West Coast is on fire. Maybe you have the privilege of being in the path of a hurricane or a tornado or rising sea levels. But here on the West Coast, Anna Solomon and I are in Los Angeles it is gray, more than usual, more than your regular smog. Um, the entire West Coast is on fire. 28 major wildfires in California, 3 million acres of burned, um, 600,000 acres of burned in Oregon, a bunch, uh, no, 600,000 acres of burned in Washington State, a million acres of burned in Oregon. And apparently the Santa Ana winds have not even come. And I don't know when the Santa Ana winds are supposed to come. I feel like it changes every year. These are very strong winds that happen and blow through Southern California. Trump is going to be visiting California tomorrow. So never fear. He's going to blame everything on us. Um, but it is so undeniable right now that we like can't go outside. We can't go take a walk. We are in a pandemic. And now we're choking down this like, you know, over 200 to 500, you know, AQI, like breaking all these records. San Francisco was straight orange this week. And I feel like we're just kind of living in that moment where it's like some, like Jesus better be coming back at the end of this or, <laughs> or like, or revolution, like either one of those things or both perhaps maybe he's coming back to lead the socialist revolution. Cause he was a socialist <laughs> as, as non-Christian as I am, but you know, I know my basics, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you know, what, what is actually going on? I want to, talk about what Democrats have and haven't done. Obviously, we know where the Republicans stand, but just for a reminder, I just want to play this small little clip. As Americans burned to death, people like this swung into action immediately. They went on television with a partisan talking point. Climate change, they said, caused these fires. They didn't explain how exactly that happened. How did climate change do that? They didn't tell us, but they just kept saying it. In the hands of Democratic politicians, climate change is like systemic racism in the sky. You can't see it, but rest assured it's everywhere and it's deadly. And like you can see it. You can see it. Tucker, like I love the analogy. It's a great analogy, but you can see it everywhere. Yeah. You can see the climate change. We're seeing it right now. We're breathing it. Well, um, I love that lovely comparison. Like, like systemic racism, you can't see it. I'm like, yeah, you, you can. It's literally, <laughs> yeah. exactly. I, I see that too. Like, what are you trying to do here? Supposedly it's there, but it's invisible. I've never yeah. seen it. Like, fuck <laughs> off. Just visit any prison or juvenile detention center. You'll see it. <laughs> You'll see it. But Absolutely. also, yeah, that fire is 
the the results of climate change. What do you you think? It's it's, it's very visible. <laughs> Yeah. And, and I think people are like, how was it? And we all obviously know this incredible, you know, all the droughts have led to this moment where the forests are tinderboxes, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whatever. I've seen all the geothermal imagery of trees that are basically completely dry all the way down to the roots. It's devastating. Um, and Gavin Newsom has gotten pretty heated. I, I had a clip I wanted to play, but I won't because... Uh, we don't have that much time, but he was, you know, he's been angry. He was like, look, this is not about ideology, ideology. This is not about your BS, you know, uh, basically your BS talking points. Climate change is real. Climate change is here. And that's all fine and good. What I want to talk to you guys about is Gavin Newsom is also someone, this is the governor of California, who has allowed fracking wells to once again operate in the state mm -hmm. this year. Um, the California Senate, the state Senate, voted down this is the second time they voted down creating some kind of buffer between oil and gas wells and communities which are obviously largely communities of color so like not only are we approving new oil and gas wells we're approving to not put a buffer between them and real and communities who are affected you know and there's we're the sixth or seventh largest producer of oil in the world this state so my question is what do we do like how how do we have a how, as Anna says, like, do we have an opposition party when it comes to this issue of climate change? If we're producing all this oil, we've got these the state Senate that's completely bought by a lot of lobbyists. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Anna, where do you fall on, the, on Governor Newsom and, and your thoughts on him? He's not the shittiest, but he's also like the bar is so low. No, he's trash. Like, let's <laughs> let's call it what it is. He's trash. A hundred percent. By July of this year, he granted 360 additional fracking permits. He's trash. He's mm -hmm. the typical, typical, honestly, in my opinion, Republican politician who, uh, you know, uses this like veil of like, I'm a Democrat and I care. I, I want to be humane and I care about the issues. No, you don't. You're corrupt, just like any other Republican would be. Mm -hmm. And I actually think people like Newsom and Nancy Pelosi and all the Democrats out of California are incredibly damaging because they legitimately give Republicans um, not legitimately. They give Republicans, I think, a very effective talking point. Mm. They prance around as if they're progressives. We know they're not. And when they carry out these policies that are incredibly damaging to people living in California, then Republicans can point fingers and see, you see how destructive and damaging mm -hmm. progressives are. But really, the, they're all yeah. wolves in sheep's clothing. Mm -hmm. You know, they're the same. They're of the same ilk. Yeah. And it's, it's infuriating. It really is. It is. Um, like, especially if we, we were talking about like the three major terrible things that are going on right now, especially in liberal states, there's uh, the rise of coronavirus infections and deaths. There's the, the, the police violence that was occurring. And now the fires that are literally burning down the three liberal states. And the issues are like, okay, I get that our federal government is garbage, but we still have a this, we still have the governors. We still have these democratic run city councils and state senates. What is, what is going on that we can't yeah. do within our own system? What, like what? Oh, it's because we're all run by landlords who are acting like they're progressives when they generally are not, and they're definitely not helping community of colors in any shape or form. Especially like, like that is upsetting because like the, all those three things affects communities of color the most, and yeah. it truly is saying 
that no matter which system that you vote for, you're just choosing the least racist one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. It, I, I want to bring in one thing because there's a silver lining. Pelosi and Feinstein, Diane Feinstein, have done fuck all. Like, seriously, mm-hmm. Feinstein wrote an op-ed Fuck you. We all saw how you treat you treated children who were like, please, mm-hmm. please, we need a Green New Deal. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, Pelosi said nothing. Seriously, I scanned even her tweets, like her Twitter feed. See, she said nothing about the fires. She I think one of her her Pelosi's thing is like, oh, climate change has been my issue. Well, bitch, well, yeah. if it's not solved, then fucking then then you should be out of power right now. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Like, but like you really shouldn't. If it's been your issue, she says that on Medicare too. Oh, Medicare falls been my issue. Well, if we don't fucking have it, then maybe you should get out of the way. Yeah. So, but but there is a small silver lining. I know that, you know, Democrats are trash, but on the other coast, Chuck Schumer somehow unbelievably has taken a small step. Um, he says he's standing with Senator Markey and Deb, Representative Deb Hallard, Halland and the Sunrise Movement to launch the Thrive Agenda, fighting climate change, creating millions of union jobs, investing in black and brown and in indigenous communities, fighting environmental injustice and reinvesting in public institutions. This is a I think Elizabeth Warren is involved in this. It is an initiative that Sunrise is for Movement for Black Lives says they're for and is endorsed. Um, I can't remember. There's one more organization. And it's basically like COVID and climate together thrive. Yeah. See, and that makes me very happy. <laughs> yeah, it's some, it's something, but I'm like, I'm also like, then just make it a Green New Deal, mm-hmm. you know? Right. True. But I think for me, it's just in general, I just want some sort of uh, accountability and responsibility in regards to what's going on in situations, which none of these Democrats are doing. They are definitely shifting a lot of the blame to the federal government because Trump is such a scapegoat because he is terrible in a thousand different ways. But I wish it was like when they, when they're showing up on Twitter and saying stuff like pass it on, like, yo, you're a leader too. <laughs> pass it on. You are oh. also, who, who am I going to tell? My elected official? That's you, you dumb fuck. <laughs> like, what am I passing yeah. on to? No, it's such a good point. I, I, nothing, I should have used this for our rant segment, but like nothing gets under my skin more than lawmakers who are like on Twitter tweeting things like someone should really do something about this. This is unacceptable. Like people like Nancy Pelosi, especially. And by the way, uh, Francesca, she did have one interview about the wildfires on MSNBC. Mm -hmm. And she's like, mama nature is very upset. Okay. And climate change is real. Uh, okay. And then what? Right. I mean, she's fought the Green New Deal very aggressively. I mean, she referred to it in an interview with Politico last year as the Green New, the Green Dream or whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And then she said something about how, like, people don't know what's in it, but they support it. No, I'm pretty sure people know what's in it. I think people are pretty fired up about the situation they're living in right now. It's just pathetic. And it is, it is kind of this beautiful and I'm, we're going to talk to uh, Varshini of Sunrise Movement next week, but it is a beautiful answer to, hey, millions and millions of people are out of work. We can't keep burning fossil fuels. Look at this at this blueprint. Yeah, it's not the specifics need to be fleshed out, but it is a blueprint. It is. I mean, God, if she didn't say it so disrespectfully, it is a dream. It is a dream that we're trying to make real. Um, and that so, I mean, this is the thing. I'm so excited for all these old fucks to die because I'm so excited, Anna, where we don't have to even like talk about whether climate change is real. It's just like, oh yeah, of course, everyone, 
this is a plan that we work on, you know, but you're going to see not just the oil and gas um, companies flex as they have on the California State Senate and shout out to Jackie Fielder running in District 11, who was on this show, who's amazing. And, you know, we need to be running for these seats. But you're going to see people playing politics. People who used to believe in climate change will be like, we'll try to play it down in the future just to distinguish themselves from their opponent, you know, like just to have something to disagree on. Uh, I, yeah, anyway, I, I think the Thrive Plan, if whatever, the new acronym that's not going to probably happen either is good. It's a good start. Um, I just wish we could build on the stuff that we're, it's already happening. And again, I just feel like it's so dire. It is so fucking dire. And Gavin Newsom, man, you get all, he gets all angry in the woods by himself. And honestly, when I watch him get angry, I'm like, wow, that's great. Like, you know, he's like appealing to this, like, you know, the sort of, you know, easily lured part of Francesca. That's like, I just want a leader slash dad, you know? Um, Yeah. But then when he's not doing much. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so Jane McAlevey, who's, you know, this legendary um, organizer, uh, labor union leader, all of that, um, she distinguishes between, like, raising awareness or mobilizing and organizing. And organizing is, like, where the work happens. You get what I'm saying? Whereas, like, raising awareness is what we get from Democrats and people who don't want to actually do anything all the time. Like we're aware. Okay. I think, I think we got the awareness part down. Now, what are you going to do about it? Like, where's the work and how are you organizing with democratic lawmakers to ensure that you use the bully pulpit, first of all, to pressure Republicans um, and honestly try to get actual legislation passed Mm -hmm. through. And they're not really doing any of that. It's very upsetting to know that Trump may be visiting the wildfire wildfires before like Pelosi or before Feinstein, you know, like put on your Manolos and get out there. Just go talk. You're, yeah. I mean, Anna and I, we talk about this all the time about the bully pulpit and like the ways that, you know, these democratic leaders are so bad at using it. They're so bad at grandstanding. It's like, they should just, just grandstand. It's okay. That's the whole point. But they want to, again, play respectability politics, even when they're in the right, like the science yes. on your side, it's okay. And, and the votes are on your side too. Like these are yeah. these are big issues. Like again, the backbone of their win is going to be people of color. So if you are literally focusing on issues that are affecting their lives, which is climate change, corona, like all these things, you would definitely have a a strong vote show up. And they decided to just kind of casually ignore it. And it's gonna like this is going to affect numbers. So yeah. <laughs> you got to start caring. I think what's big right. about this, Biden apparently is not really making a big deal about about it because like climate change is not you know, in the DC spheres, it's not seen as one of those issues that's like gonna win you or cost you the election. I mean, it doesn't help that cable news fucking never talks about it, but it's also just like, well, I mean, if I'm in New York and uh, I'm, you know, weather's nice here, I'm fine, boop do, you know, or I'm not in Iowa or I'm not in California and I'm not currently on fire. I feel like you were in this moment where you're like, if you're not currently on fire, mm-hmm. it's not part of your political analysis, you know? So well, I think that Democratic lawmakers are dealing with um, a pretty big contradiction, right? Because one part of the puzzle that I think is missing from a lot of these discussions is 
on certain topics, we need to accept the fact that Democrats are literally paid to lose, right? So Solomon, I think you're absolutely right. I think the votes are there. Um, people will get fired up and will support candidates who unequivocally uh, reject any type of uh, climate denial, actually have real robust policy that they want to aggressively pass through. But that goes against what their corporate donors would want, right? Yeah. So there's that contradiction in our political system. And we literally have a Supreme Court that legalized bribery in two different yep. Supreme Court rulings. Yep. So we're kind of screwed when it comes to politicians doing what's actually in the best interest of humanity. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I just that the California the fact that the California State Senate would vote against having a buffer zone between communities and oil and gas wells is absolutely absurd. It is because of all the money, all of the lobbyists and there and there truly is I didn't rattle them all off. But number one is campaign finance reform. Number one is fucking you can't buy people and politicians luxury vacations and then buy them out. You just can't do that. And every, and any politician that touches that money should be toxic to us. Um, so yeah, I think we have to just, it's all about local politics, y'all. Hey, the most exciting thing ever. And we may have lost Solomon, but I'm sure he'll be back. But I want to go to our final segment. I hope we get, I hope we get Solomon back on, but this segment I'm calling, well, first of all, Anna, we have a new segment every single Every single episode, there's a new segment. So this one, just for you and for the people out there and the people in the comments section and all the wonderful, wonderful people who've watched and are here, I want to know how you de-stress. This is Anxiety Watch Party. Anxiety Watch Party. We no Oscars anymore and Golden Globes canceled or whatever. Award season's going to suck. So we're talking about having an anxiety watch party. We're looking out for each other. We're watching our anxiety rise and fall. Solomon's back. Um, uh, how do you de-stress? What do you do beyond advocating, obviously, you know, revolutionary change in this country once and for goddamn all? What do we do? Anna, what, what, what's your strategy? I feel like I know a little bit about what you do, but I want to hear more. So, I mean, I think that it's a, it's a decent mix of unhealthy and healthy habits. Um, so my go-to when things become too overwhelming is to go on a hike, which clearly you can't do right now because of um, the fires and how dangerous the air quality is. So I've kind of started focusing on other passions that aren't in any way related to the news world or focusing on what's happening in the world. And that's interior design stuff and like DIY home upgrades. So I've been like focusing on that. And also I got back into yoga today. Today was my first, um, you know, that, which helps it. Yoga just relaxes me. Like I feel good after that. The unhealthy habits, um, I never used to drink whiskey before. And now I'm like obsessed with whiskey. I'm like constant. Like I constantly crave whiskey on the rocks after a long day of work. And I also love to smoke weed. Like I smoke weed every night after work and it just gets me to where I want to be. Right. <laughs> so and that's you, where I'm at. You got, you got the right blend then. You've got the right, you got that right indica sativa or are you one of those people that weed never makes you paranoid? Weed does not make it, it's been too long. Like my tolerance and my experience is like pretty up there at this point. Um, so I never get paranoid. 
Um, I like indica. I know that that's like controversial. People love sativas. They love to get like hyper whatever. No, I, I want to feel like my body, like I don't want to move. I want to be like kind of brain dead. <laughs> like that's where I'm at with my weed usage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like indicas. I, I would agree. I would agree on the indica. I haven't smoked weed in so long. But I really? am very, I haven't smoked weed. I haven't smoked weed in a really long, it's a sad, it's sad. I've always, I've been gifted weed and then it just goes, it just dries out. I need to give you my weed. It just goes dry. <laughs> what am I? I'm a terrible person, but I, I feel like, yeah, I, I don't, I need a good excuse to smoke weed and there is no excuse. You can do it whenever you want. If it's legal in your state. And if it's not, you know, whatever, just do it anyway. It's fine. Um, but I am, I am drinking. Like I will, I will make a mean cocktail. Like I got a good whiskey and like, what is it? Whiskey plus gin plus Campari and a little bit of soda. Like it's so good. Oh my God. Um, it's called the ladies maid and it's from my Downton Abbey cocktail book. Yes, I have one. I've told you about it. Um, Solomon, how do you, how do you relax? What's your anxiety proof method? Um, well, first of all, I want to apologize for the dad setup. Uh, my laptop, uh, <laughs> gave up on me. Um, I am, uh, doing a lot of way too much self-improvement, uh, because, uh, not being in like a lot of my anxiety, uh, well, well, two things have happened. I'm also, I, I had most of my anxiety came from social settings. So that went down a lot. Uh, <laughs> so there is a lot of, like I did get some relief in the beginning of the pandemic because I didn't have to be in a social setting anymore. So it was like, I, my brain relaxed for a little bit and then I got to focus on the real anxiety, which was far more terrifying. <laughs> uh, but for me, it's, um, I have, my skincare routine has now reached uh, levels of steps that are, for sure, unnecessary. Uh, <laughs> You're on that live Tyler, like 20, 20 step shit. I have so many things and my skin, by the end of the night, I am just, a, my, my face is a, like slimy <laughs> and coated. Uh, I can't really close any doors cause there's too much stuff in my hands. Like it is, like, I am, I've never been smoother to the touch at a time where no one's allowed to touch me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my uh, god! So that's been sort of my main focus is just these unnecessary little tiny trends uh, of like self care, because uh, it does make the day go away. This is actually the first time my hair has been black in the last five months. Because uh, I've you just, dyed it? I've dyed it, bleached it, colored it. It's oh, been that's right. Oh my gosh! Um, so yeah, I've just been doing all these little projects myself. I've also gotten very into makeup. Uh, so it's just, yeah, a lot, a lot of like oh. tiny little projects of things I can do myself. Uh, and then that are, I can, but also the great thing is that I can easily give them all up when this is all. <laughs> totally. Which I look Except for the to. makeup. I, Except it's, it's not that easy. It's makeup is not like, like I, a light touch is fine here and there, but like a whole eye look, I'm, I'm going to leave that to the professionals. <laughs> Oh yeah, but you know, makeup is basically like drugs. It, there are gateway makeups, like powder is a gateway to bronzer is a gateway. Like they're all, you know, you. Oh, I'm just gonna do a little bit of, mm -hmm. you know, just a little bit of uh, eyeshadow. That's a gateway to contouring. Pretty soon, oh, yes. you're a Kardashian. I mean, it it gets it gets real. Uh, oh, that being I've said, been contouring, <laughs> highlighting, baking, powdering, like I've been yeah. doing it all. Like it is genuinely like, and I also gave myself like. 
because I highlight my nose so it looks pencil thin. It's very weird. And oh very my funny. god, are you kidding me? I well, it's, it's I do that all the time. So. <laughs> yeah, well. I don't have that excuse to do drag. It's not nearly as fun, but I definitely, I, I, all the highlighter on the nose. Um, lipstick, lipstick's been getting me through. I bought, bought like six different new shades, very bright colored lipstick. Yeah, girl. Um, yes. It's just, yes. It, makes, I, it makes me happy. It makes me feel, I love doing I love ombre lips with, with a liner into a lighter color in the center. And I'm good for the day. I'm <laughs> I smell the cigarette get really nice and dirty. <laughs> Take 60 selfies, post three, you know, <laughs> just the fucking Wednesday. Um, I want to say on some serious shit, I will recommend if anyone's having serious anxiety, I love this woman, Tara Brock, who is a former housing organizer turned Dharma teacher, meditation advisor. And she's like, not woo woo, but just woo woo enough. Tara Brock's wonderful. She had a whole episode about anxiety under COVID and also under like fascism. Um, I found meditating before bed, even just 10 minutes really does help me. Um, and also if you have, I've had horrible insomnia, just like doing that five minute, five second breathing where you're like five seconds in, hold for five seconds, five seconds out, hold it out. I'm getting real, real with y'all, but like it is not like it, it is helpful having that breathing. You'll drift away to sleep. I, I was like trying to do NyQuil and I was like, I don't know. But like my body was calm and my mind was like, no, we're going to still sing Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton. And I was like, no. Uh, but totally. Yes. Share. Can I, wanna... I just add to that? Please. Sorry, sorry. I just, because I was like a big anti-meditation person because everyone kept like pressuring me to meditate. And I kept doing like the guided meditation apps and I realized like people are different. So I started working with a coach who does um, meditation through, what are they called? Mantras, I guess. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that works for me somehow. I don't say it out loud. I say it internally as I'm breathing and it totally works. And so I now understand the benefits of meditation. And I just wanted to add, definitely try different types and it does work. Yeah, because people, I think people have sort of like a idea of meditation, just you being still and sitting down a certain way. I'm like, there's things, it's, I think for me, it's just finding a moment to not allow the clutter to be in your mind yes. <laughs> in any way you can. Because uh, there's a bunch of different kinds of meditations. Uh, and find, like I, I agree 100%. Like I have like 10 minutes a day at the very least for me to just have nothing in my head. Absolutely. I'm seeing some folks say Rel Rel 27 says smoke weed, workout, video games and watching sports. That is someone who's definitely watching the NFL right now. <laughs> um, mindful meditation, um, smoke weed, plants, totally taking care of plants is very calming, very soothing. Sure, they all die on me, but I try anyway. Um, Casey, who uh, shout out to Casey, longtime fan says exercise yoga cannabis clean diet true i moved around i moved around the corner from a donut shop so it's not it, they've got cronuts guys and it's they're fucking good all right like yeah. there's just endless butter and it's hard it's hard to have a clean diet but hey i uh, i obviously refuse to do that i think my <laughs> unhealthy diet is the reason i'm happy right now uh and i <laughs> where is this shop and i need to get that cronut <laughs> yes colorado donuts um holler <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll hang 
Um, thank you both so much for being here. Uh, Anna Kasparian, Solomon Giorgio. Solomon, how can we find you and follow your work? Um, I'm uh, Solomon Giorgio all across the board in every social media format and watch a TV show I might have written on it. I don't know. There's a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Take care, Solomon. Thank you so much for being here. And Anna Kasparian, amazing hey, as always. Um, the one day that you don't live stream, I made you live stream. The one time. It's totally fine. I, I, I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I have a pretty strict rule about Sundays because Sundays are family days, but I got to... I got to be on your show. Like I was actually a little hurt that I wasn't invited <laughs> earlier. I'm like, Francesca doesn't want me on her show. So once you did, oh I'm like, God. I'm going to make it work. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, you guys can follow me. Um, Anna Kasparian on Twitter and um, the two shows I work at the young Turks, just go to youtube.com slash the young Turks. And uh, every Saturday I do a show for Jacobin called weekends with Nando Vila. You can check that out by going to youtube.com slash Jacobin mag. Yay. Thank you so much, Anna. Be well. Have a good week. I hope this smoke clears. And thanks to all of you, all, all of you. Shout out to Uzi Copter Records talking about mozzarella sticks on Twitch. I expect nothing less from Twitch. And for those of you who want to tip in the tip jar, because the tip jar, I checked it out. It's kind of low. I know I say that, but I mean it. TBR-Live, TBR-Live on Cash App, TBR-Live on Venmo. Uh, we're donating a portion of those tips to Movement Voter Project. And once again, you guys know how I feel about this election. You know how I feel about that anti-fascist vote. You know how I feel about having to make those calls for a, for a guy that could be way better. And hopefully we can push him to actually be better because it will be a whole lot better than a guy who inspires this. Sir, why are you not wearing your mask? Because there's no COVID. It's a, it's a fake pandemic created to destroy the United States of America. I don't even get that. If it, it was created to destroy, are we being destroyed? The follow-up question is, so has it worked? Because I, I think it's working to destroy America. Thank you guys so much. Remember, don't just bitch about it. Be about it. Take good care. Be safe. Love one another. Bye. <laughs>